Max. Finally, we do the podcast. Bilungo, but the whole time you stayed in Uganda, we tried to share this or something, working together, we still didn't do the podcast. But now we have done it. I was very, very shocked that you came back to Uganda. But um, because you're new to my audience, I will first let you explain yourself and introduce yourself to our audience. And yeah, from your inter- introduction as well, we'll pick most of how I'll drive the conversation, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes, Max. Thank you for coming to the podcast. So I'm Max Noir. I'm a content creator from the US. I am also a model and recently <laughs> I've become an artist as well. What inspires you to become the artist? Also, I didn't know you're a model. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, but okay, model comes from like the content creation. Okay. Like it's not like I'm signed to any agency or anything. It's more so like I'm my own boss and I do these gigs here and there for fashion, for brands. Um, but yeah, it's like the new, the new modern era of modeling where you kind of do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So anyway, how do you find inspiration and cultural connections between your vibrant life in LA and your deeply rooted roots now in Uganda? How's that? They're very, they're so different. Of course they have to be different. They're very different places on this planet, but, um, what I've noticed is that there's a lot of crossover between the Ugandan culture, but also like Africa as a whole yeah. is just starting to like in a big way, especially musically, um, to cross over those borders into America and LA specifically. You're hearing a lot more like Afrobeats music. You're hearing a lot more uh, clubs and DJs that are vibing with this music. Even in the Ubers, you're hearing them play the music. So. I think growing up, I was so disconnected um, from, I'm just going to say Africa in general, like I was just totally clueless, totally ignorant to anything cultural from any region of Africa. But now I'm seeing it's quickly kind of crossing over and I think it's great because the music's amazing um, and it's really nice to see people appreciating it more. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I, I was listening to Rihanna name her best songs and mm-hmm. she had two, I think she had the Nika song, the mm. South African uh-huh. Ama Piano. Yeah. And Davido's what's that song? So I shaming um headlining Davido's concerts marketing and marketing <laughs> the song. <laughs> but yeah, and that one. So do you see yourself as a bridge now with the Ugandan to like LA? Do you see yeah. managing the cultures? That's what I'm trying to do because to be very honest with you, like the reactions that I get from home when I talk about like, oh, I'm going to Uganda or I lived in Uganda for a while. I don't like the reactions that I get. People always, the first, first assumption that they make is that I came over here as like a missionary or to do like charity work. And I'm not trying to like knock the people that do that kind of work, but it's it shouldn't be the only option yeah. for a foreigner to come here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And then people also ask me, like, oh, is it safe? Like, how, how is it? Like, people's conception is just poverty, and they also just assume it's an unsafe true, place. True, 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 true. And having been here for so long and, like, have completely fallen in love with this country, yeah. it's important to me to show, like, the other sides to the international audience that they don't yet see. Is this part also of your content creation plan, is to just really... 
uh, showcase what your experiences yeah. in Africa to like maybe dilute most of the misconceptions about yeah. Africa. Yeah, it's really important to me. Um, it started out like super naturally. It was never planned. I was just like having my cell phone and just like recording myself with a selfie, no team, you know, going on safari and eating Ugandan foods and listening to Ugandan music. And like the content just started moving like really, really well. And so it wasn't something I planned from the start, but um, the reactions were really nice. And I started seeing people from home, like their conceptions already changing. My friends saying like, oh, I want to come visit Uganda with you. And um, that reaction makes me want to keep going with it. Okay. That's, that's really dope. So yeah, let's look into it. Um, let's first go into the music. I just recently found out that you have a song. Okay. When you are coming to, I, I texted you and then you told me, oh, yeah, I have to do this song and all that. <laughs> How do you become an artist? Let's start there. <laughs> what inspires this? What yeah. is this about? So actually, I've been a musician my entire life from like a young age. I usually just did it like therapeutically from the comfort of my own home. Um, my entire family is is musicians, like very, very talented. My dad has been in a blues band his whole life. He's a singer and phenomenal electric guitarist. My mom's a piano teacher. My sister is a guitarist. Everyone sings. So I've been playing piano and also the full drum kit since I was, I don't even know, maybe like six, I want to say I started with piano, drums came a bit later, but I've always been a singer, like my whole life and also a songwriter. But um, I guess I was what I like to call like a shower singer. <laughs> I would do it for myself and I was so scared to sing in front of everyone, like so scared. Um, but yeah, so the music's not new. It's actually very old for me. Um, and what's new is the commercial aspect. And I think since my platform has been steadily growing yeah. for some time with the content creation, it just kind of felt like a natural way for me to enter, uh, yeah, the music industry. So there were no like trigger or maybe an emotion where you felt like you needed to express yourself into the music this time commercially for us to start consuming that. Yeah. Or was it Uganda? Because uh, there's so much singing that goes on around here. Right? Um, yeah. I think it was a it was multifaceted. It was a couple different things. First of all, it was the community of people that I was around. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time when I first came to Uganda with um, Judith. So like I had posted a picture on Instagram and it went viral unexpectedly. And quite a few Ugandan celebrities reached out to me through the picture I had posted. Judith Heard was one of those people. We became very good friends. And through her, I met a lot of artists. And so some of those artists also became my friends. So that's the first layer is just kind of like me being exposed yeah. to music and creative, you know, creative processes quite often. Um, the second bit is me loving Ugandan music, and that wasn't new to me. I had been listening to Ugandan music for about six years already, which is a whole nother story. And um, the third thing that triggered it, um, the Should I song came about very naturally and unplanned. Um, it's also a song with your ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. But we actually recorded the song Before. like very very early like before the kind of romance was sparked um i think it was the first day we met yeah i'm trying to like remember for sure i think it was actually like the first day 
he had called me to talk about um, the charity that he has. He also found me from that picture that went viral. So I went, we met, we talked about his charity. Then he was like, okay, I have a studio session. You're welcome to tag along. I was like, why not? Like, I like these kinds of vibes. I went and that's when they played like the first version of Should I? And in my head, I was like, this track would be dope with like a, femi a female artist to do a verse. So I told him my opinion. And he was like, go for it. <laughs> go for it. I wrote my verse in like 10 minutes. <laughs> we recorded it. Of course, we like improved and made some changes through time. But yeah, it was just like very natural. And at the time, I was also managing Beanie mm -hmm. Gunter. So I was just so ingrained in the music industry here at the moment. And honestly, I just didn't really ever consider myself as someone who could be like the musician, the artist. I was more so behind the curtain. So it was in that moment where I was like, huh, maybe I could do this too. Why not give it a try? But now you consider yourself a musician commercially. Yeah. And you're going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm working on a full EP. Oh, wow. That's, that's dope. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, okay, okay. We'll be we'll call you back here for that. What, <laughs> what, what do you want to communicate to the music? Is it just going to be love? No. Um, honestly, I'm still working on the concepts. Like right now, let's just say there's been so many different themes going on in my life for the last couple of years. And to be honest, love has been probably the weakest theme I've really put love on the back burner for the last, like, let's say going on a year now. I've been very, like, focused on introspection and, like, learning more about myself, what I'm passionate about, what my goals are, what makes me happy. So, yeah, honestly, love is probably, like, the, the last theme that's been on my brain as of lately. And I'm still working on exactly what those concepts are that I'd like to communicate on the EP. But I definitely know that like self empowerment is going to be there for sure. And the process, are you like uh, since you're so very tech savvy, are you involved in like maybe beat production? Do you understand that, or are these things these are new skills you just want to learn along the way? A little bit of both. I mean, I used to do some very light music production on my own when I was younger. Things have evolved and changed so much. The softwares are completely different. So. I can in a way speak the language of music production, but I'm not so good at like, you know, executing on my own. But at least when I'm sitting down with a producer, I can communicate like, let's change this, let's move this around, let's add or remove these different elements. Yeah. But I ask so many questions, I think I even annoy some people because no matter what I do in life, I want to learn so much. So I'm always asking questions so that I can empower myself and make more happen <laughs> so what do you think about um content creation from like um say a broader perspective do you do you envision that creators are the new thing do you feel like that's now a really stable career someone can take and, and i do yeah i do i mean of course it depends on how you do it um in my opinion there are very good ways of doing it and there are also very wrong ways of doing it I think you need to be extremely intentional with the types of content you create. And then when it comes to accepting money or like promoting a product or a place or a event or whatever, you have to be very intentional 
because it's it can be really easy to choose the money over your brands and to communicate the wrong things to the wrong people and then even upset your audience and cheapen yourself essentially so um that being said i definitely think it's a sustainable career social media is like obviously it's like the, it's massive it's the craziest platform in existence and i don't foresee it going anywhere true anytime soon but what i do know is that when you have a platform that you've grown for yourself for your brand even when technology and society changes you already have that audience and you have that platform so you can evolve but the most important thing is staying up to date with how things are moving yeah. you can't stay in the past speaking of technology what mm -hmm. do you think about the future of ai and technology in general ai yeah <laughs> Do you feel it's here to like take our jobs, like the misconceptions, or do you feel like it is really just here to make our lives easier? What do you think Both. about machines also? Yeah. Both. Are you scared of AI? A bit, yeah. I mean... Because <laughs> right now I can use AI to sing like you and uh -huh. probably make money. AI is very complicated. Of course, like, okay, technology... It's a tale as old as time. Any new technology has positive use cases and negative use cases, depending on the person who's driving. Do you know what I mean? AI has a million, like it has endless use cases that can change the world for the better, can help people. But yeah. then it also has endless use cases that can be very detrimental to society. I'm someone who lost my job in 2023, majorly due to AI. In the U.S., that's the only metric I can talk about, but there have been like over a million layoffs in the last year um, in a lot of sectors, but mainly the technological sector, because these are the people who understand AI tools yeah, yeah. and how to utilize them. I lost a job, and because so many people have lost their jobs, it's like people who are my directors and my managers, my superiors, they're now applying for my jobs. Like they have to go down because so many people are looking for work right now. Mm -hmm. So it's been really challenging to find new work. And that problem is real and we're seeing it for sure. Um, yeah, no, AI terrifies me. Yeah, but I use it a lot. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we, we all use that. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you maintain a healthy balance between using technology for work and personal life mm. and also to just avoid constant digital distractions, seeing as you, um, I'm thinking, say, maybe a music session needs you to like concentrate and get into your mind to really come up with like maybe a verse mm. or a way to communicate a message to people. But then we have all these distractions around us with the phones and the tech yeah. and all these apps we're using. So for you, how are you doing it? Okay, honestly, like I'm in the stage of my life where I'm really prioritizing my my happiness. I want to wake up every single day and feel like, okay, what I'm doing today makes me feel happy. It contributes to society only in positive ways. Um, I used to be more like money-minded, money-focused, and that's why I think I stayed in the tech industry for so long. But um, being forced out of it, at least for like a hiatus, has really enabled me to gain mental clarity on like what's actually important to me i didn't care about the tech stuff as much as i thought i did 
And now I just like, I want to be creative and I want to be surrounded by other people who are creative. I don't really care what kind of paycheck comes in every month as long as I am sustainable and I have my basic needs covered. A little extra is cool too. But um, yeah, that's what I'm focused on. And like when I'm focusing on writing or like whatever creative process I'm in, mm -hmm. I heavily utilize the do not disturb mode. Like I have that on all the time whenever I feel like I need to focus so that my phone can't possibly interrupt me unless I intentionally choose to allow it. I'm focused on intention these days. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um Seeing as you are a female in a male-dominated industry, the music industry right now in, in, in say, uh, because again, I, your commercial life mm -hmm. has started off in Uganda, mm -hmm. so I'll call you a Ugandan musician in this case. How is that? How is the industry treating you? Also, you're a foreigner, really, trying to like fit into the Ugandan line. Mm -hmm. How is that? It has been a challenge. It has been a challenge in multiple ways. Um... Okay, so the first challenge, and um, I know I'm not alone in this as a female musician. A lot of conversations that I try to have in Uganda, specifically with men, not just artists, but like even businessmen, just like professionals of any sector, a lot of those conversations, they start out as like, an idea that's business oriented and then you arrive at the meeting and you get to know the intentions on the other side of the table have nothing to do with business <laughs> absolutely nothing <laughs> and i would say like nine out of ten of my meetings and conversations actually end up being like that and it's been a huge challenge to not let it exhaust me it's exhausting. And I think last time I was in Uganda for like a while, it got to me and I, I got to a point where I had to go home and like rest and like revitalize, learn from some, you know, mistakes, learn from X, Y, Z so I could come back stronger. But, um, oh God, it's a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge, especially when you understand your own value. Like, I'm, I am so smart and I'm very well connected on a global scale. And sometimes I just want to shake these men and be like, yo, if you actually took me seriously, you'd benefit so much. You would benefit greatly, but they're just thinking about some shallow, you know, physical stuff that isn't going to help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably get an orgasm out of it, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Uh, but uh, do you see? Do you see your plan working out? Maybe like you being a bridge of hmm. the markets. Do you see people consuming your music at a global scale? Also, are you looking at collaborating? Because your first song has been a collaboration, right? Mm. Chosen. Chosen is relatively big around here. People yeah. love his music. Uh, so what? What's next after the first song? Yeah, so an EP is in the, in the works. Um, very early stages, like I said. I'm trying to really take my time with Should I as the debut and make yeah. sure that we like put most of our energy for some time into pushing that song. I really believe in it. And also the people who worked on the song 
are incredible like we have like burna boys mixing and mastering engineers on the song grammy award winners so it's like we can't waste this song we have to push um but i'm yeah i'm basically just in the conceptual stages i have a couple collaborations for the ep that are done deals of course i can't tell you who yet but um yeah i'm gonna have a couple more collaborations with east african artists and east african so yeah okay. and also a couple of songs that are you know solo songs as well and yeah i mean uganda is kind of like the the starting point but my hopes of course are for the music to cross borders and i'm hoping by using utilizing like my connections here and the things that they've learned the lessons that they've learned the people that they've met globally and then also my network, which is quite vast, like also on a global scale. I have a lot of amazing people in the US, in Asia, in South America, all over who are like just really awesome people to have in your network who we can leverage. Like I want this to be like teamwork, like let's cross borders together, push the music together using all of our connections and resources. So when you look at the industry at large, what do you feel like he's missing? Why do you feel like we are... So Joshua Baraka, right? Mm. Uh, doesn't have the most streams. Mm. The pushing has been really, really, really done brilliant uh, for new age kind of artists right now mm. to see him hit global... The song hitting global markets yeah. has been incredible, right? But it's such a big struggle. Also one would maybe accord that to luck. Mm. Yeah. So for you, from, say, a consumer's perspective and also one that is now really interested that you are going into that line mm. where do you feel like we are missing it or the mm. industry is missing it what aren't we doing right or maybe said because the conversation is always around the Ugandan music industry also maybe compared to the nigerian mm -hmm. and we have a lot of nigerians pop up right we have one nigerian come up they have a they have a hit zone before you know it, they, they have a concert here and they have mm. a whole field out stadium or something yeah. right yeah. and you don't see the same for fellow artists here regardless of you'd see like okay this is a really good song mm. but something there's something that's missing do you have an idea of what that could be yeah i mean of course i can't say from complete certainty yeah. but i can just kind of bring my own perspective as an outsider and my personal opinion on some of the the, the local music um i think i've seen a lot of the big artists here their sounds are very local and it's not a negative thing i mean every country has their own sound that's that's how it is it makes sense and it's it's also a beautiful thing but i found like okay baraka for example his his song that exploded nana it definitely has like a combination of sounds ugandan included but he's also found a way to incorporate international sounds in the production but also in the language so of course he's using some local language, but he's mixing in the English. That's something in Niger, like every artist is doing very beautifully. They're mixing their local language also with English, which is a global language. And they found a unique sound that can make sense to all ears on a global level. When I listen to music, okay, some of the artists are doing more international sounds, of course, but there are many big artists who are very, very focused, I believe, on the, the local market, which is okay. But like personally, when I listen to that music and there's there's zero English and um, just the sound, the production is... But you can listen to South African 
mm. music and the zero English and mm. you vibe to it, right? Depending. Most Depending. of them, I mean, a piano music doesn't even have English words, but you yeah. you just love it. Maybe the beats in the production. I think it's like the the rhythm, the True. drum, like it's and just... your drummer. So I we're looking at maybe going to yeah. No, of course it's not just the the matter of the language, but it's the production itself. Certain types of sounds are gonna be able to translate to certain types of ears mm -hmm. on a global level. Why? Okay, I don't know why. It's like when you eat food, you can't really describe why you like a food, why you don't like a food. It's just you like or you don't like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think maybe the local sound, it's just not for some reason, it's not translating to to ear to other types of ears around the world, if that makes sense. So, But at large, people keep bringing this up, right? And mm -hmm. I also heard it on another podcast. Uh, there's a podcast I produce. It's called the CUG Podcast. So it's extensively just about music, mm -hmm. music from hip hop. So it's music legacy and I think history, I don't know. But so there was this conversation on a unique sound, right? So the Kenyans say they have the, the, the sound, how is it? It's called Genge. Mm -hmm. Then uh, maybe uh, Diamond and the Tanzanians also have that kind mm -hmm. of music. Uh, the South Africans have maybe the Amar. There's the, the sense of identity. Mm. Don't you feel like... But Uganda is broad. Mm, yeah, fair. We have people like Chosen who are doing music with you for broader markets. Mm -hmm. And it's a mix of sounds. Yeah, So to me, in my opinion, that looks like a working formula, even though it has not really, really worked yeah. here. Uh, but then the majority of the people really want to cling on some, some sort of identification. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, some of what I've heard, like, okay, some artists are very versatile. Yeah, They're trying lots of different sounds. In my opinion, that's a good move. Other artists, I feel a lot of their music is, like, very similar in the vibe and in the production. Yeah. It works, but it works in a certain market. I always feel it's best to, like, be very versatile, try a bunch of different types of sound, make this kind of music that's working consistently, keep making it, don't stop, but also be playing around and experimenting at the same time. Maybe you do three songs in this category that's been working for you, and you do one song that's, like, a totally different vibe. It's experimenting, because you never know, like, this, this music over here can be the thing that's sustaining you, paying your bills, keeping you going. But this song could be the one that blows up like globally. So honestly, I feel like there just needs to be more experimentation. Yeah. You know, I don't know. True, but I, I feel like people have experimented it so much for <laughs> such a good time. So anyway, uh, do you see a risk of cultural homogenization with the increasing accessibility of global music markets? <laughs> that was a big question mark. <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> of course i mean it's just like the the whole concept of globalization yeah. you're just being more specific about it musically but um yeah of course like the more connected we are on a global scale mm -hmm. on the internet the more we share culture and ideas and experiences yeah of course there are so many influences on on everyone true all the time coming from every possible direction so yeah i think um just as afrobeats is exploding in the u.s like crazy right now like bigger than i personally than i've ever seen it explode 
it's new to a lot of people, but 10 years from now, it's going to be old and there's going to be something completely new shocking us. And yeah, I don't know. I think um, the more time that passes, the more we melt together in, in lots of different ways. But I also think it's important to find ways to maintain the individuality and, you know, these cultures. You see languages dying yeah. every day and it's a shame, but it's also real. It's happening. Do you see yourself using your music to address some of these culture differences you're experiencing on your journey with life? Say mm. you now have, um, this is almost like your home now, mm. um, but you also have your home in LA. Mm -hmm. So do you see that as something to like uh, speak about yeah. what's happening here as well? Sure. I mean, if I'm to be a bridge or to be making content that tries to help bridge Ugandan, you know, music or whatever it is to my home country, then of course, with that simultaneously also comes globalization, which has its positive sides and its negative sides, of course. So I think just like keeping an open dialogue is always extremely important and yeah. making sure that the conversation is open people can join it. Um, I don't, you know, personally for myself and my brand and my sound, I want to be like me. I want to be Max from the US. I have like more of a pop voice. I don't want to be an Afrobeat singer. I am not and I will never be that kind of singer, but I can collaborate with artists from different genres and different regions. And I think these kind of cultural uh, collaborations can be really cool, yeah. but um, I also think it's important to like you know maintain individuality. So, so globally and locally, and in this case locally, I mean Uganda mm -hmm. because you're in Uganda right now. Uh, who is that one artist that inspires you? So, and why globally? It's hard to pick one to be honest. There, there has to be one guy that tops the list. I think Beanie. Beanie Gunter. Yeah. I uh That's locally, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you asked. Very right? talented, man. Sorry about your situation, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's mad. Today I saw people uh trying to do a fundraiser. Yeah. Yeah, it's been very hectic and I yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I feel I feel really bad for him and you know, just prayers that he is back home as soon as possible. Um, but honestly, I believe in his music so much. That's why we work together in the first place. And he's like family at this point. His music, like, it's so unique. I don't even know if I can call it like a specific genre. Yeah, it falls under dance hall, probably. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's like a reincarnated version of uh, Vibes Cattell mm. with the talent, right? Because I feel he's like invented his own yeah, sound. Exactly what I wanted to explain. Yeah. Like, it's like, he, because Vibes invented most of what the dancehall guys are doing. Yeah. So Beanie is like that person who has invented his own style also. Yeah. I just, so the market in Uganda really appreciated him at first so much. And then it declined, which I didn't understand. Because he was that artist you'd listen to and just know this is a superstar. Mm -hmm. No, nothing in between. But then that happens a lot to so many talent. Because there's no doubt I've seen interacted worked with so many talented people down here yeah but uh is it the promotion uh but i, 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 I don't know something along the way mm -hmm. just happens and then they fed off the market 
Definitely. You know, I, I can't give like a definite answer for sure, but I think a big part of it was definitely COVID and the lockdowns, which hurt a lot of people specifically in the creative industry. Um, of course, at the end of the day, if you're not playing shows, like that's the majority of the income that comes in for artists specifically, right? Yeah. So then when you put out new music, how are you promoting that when you're not making the income from the shows? becomes a challenge. But... Yeah, and I feel you. And I've been I've been seeing him lately. He's been like back on the rise. He's been more active. He's been making more appearances, making music. Um, but the thing that like is very hopeful is like to this day I can go to a bar or a club and not hear at least one Beanie Gunter song play. And it's almost always like at least three times. It's not just one time when I'm out. It's every single time. So he has already built his legacy. And I think COVID really just knocked people down. And now the artists have to like, they have to stand back up. And COVID made a very damaging situation for standing. But I believe in him. Uganda believes in him. Jamaica, all the way on the other other side of the world, believes in him. So for him to have this side, have that side, it's way easier for him to meet in the middle countries. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, praying for him. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. he can come out and just be as great as he's intended to be. Yeah. Now, how was like how was managing an artist like for you? Mm. Yeah, describe for me like process and mm. how challenges maybe. Yeah, it was. It was really challenging for me, to be honest, um, for different reasons. It was fun. And for me, I'm like a passion-oriented person. And because I believe in his music and his career so much, like that was the easy part. Like the passion never failed. We'd have meetings every single day about the game plan, you know, like what we're going to do next, what are we going to do today? And that part, yeah, that was the easy bit. The hard part, honestly, was just the fact that I'm an outsider and I was very new to Uganda. It's the same reasons that some of my ventures that I had going with technology and stuff, um, you know, I would make it to the finish line, but always found I couldn't quite cross that finish line. As someone who was brand new to the country, the way that business is done here is so different from how it's done in the U.S., and I had to, it was a big learning curve. I didn't know how to, you know, how to conduct the business, how to deal with uh, certain things here that are normal that I had never seen before. So I could start these conversations very strong, but... Certain things like what? Like, okay, you know how people always need their cuts? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Uganda is really, really heavily infested by the middleman culture. <laughs> the middleman culture, which is... New to me and like okay even today I'm still trying to like figure it out how so usually like in those you know in those scenarios today I have someone from my team handle it because I I still don't get it like okay maybe philosophically I get it but I don't know how to execute so that was a big challenge for me that's just one example but yeah just the way that business is I think that's the middleman challenge really is such a big challenge mm. on any type of business here mm. I've uh, spoken to quite a number of investors on this very podcast and they brought it up mm. but I've also tried to invest in a couple of things with, with my partners and yeah it's something you face there's probably a guy in the middle who wants to take a bigger cut than you who has the whole idea and something so and maybe there's six guys in yeah. the middle and then what 
<laughs> so it becomes really crazy, but yeah. I, I hear you. And that is, I think that's really entirely on policy mm. and how government is structured and how it functions. So most people really just speak on from like the top yeah. and just speak it down. Yeah. So now music in general, what does it mean to you in terms of uh, maybe, and it just doesn't have to be your music, right? Like mm. the complexity of it all and uh, what it means in maybe relieving stress, in, in speaking to you. Yeah, talk to me. For you, what does music mean to you? Do you know? What does it do to you? Yeah. Mm. Do you know how, like, uh, <laughs> the moon, <laughs> the moon controls the tides of the ocean? You know that? Yeah. No, I didn't know. You didn't know. <laughs> yeah, the waves in the ocean controlled are controlled by the moon. By the moon. But there's no moon during day. There's a moon. No, the moon comes out and... You've never seen the moon in the day. It's always there. It's just the color of the sky. It's actually the position of the sun that makes it visible or not visible. But it's always there. Okay, okay. <laughs> it controls the tides of the ocean. That's what music is for me. Sometimes if I'm feeling very upset or sad or angry, there are certain music playlists or songs that I'm going to put on to actually help bring me out of that dark space. Then there are days where it's like, I just want to listen to dark music to match my mood. And maybe I'll just accept I'm not feeling well right now and I'll, and I'll find contentment with that. Yeah. Um, but also happy. Like, I don't know. I, I genuinely feel like there's a soundtrack to my life and it's forever evolving it's a testament of like where I've been, where I am and where I'm going. And when you look at like an old playlist that I have, it teaches me a lot about my old self. And when you look at the music I'm listening to this week, it can it can show me a lot that I didn't see. Cause you know, sometimes- So your music, the music you listen to is basically shaping your identity in some sort of way on who you are. So I would say it's an extension of myself, my present self, but it can shape who I am when I choose to use it as a tool. Like I said, if I, if I want to change my mood, if I'm having anxiety, I might put on like classical piano because it calms me down. So I think it shapes me when I ask it to. But other than that, it's like an extension of my my moods and my personality. And sometimes it's hard to see yourself clearly when you're in the present. You might be able to look backwards and be like, oh, last year I was in this mindset. These things were disturbing me. It was affecting my behaviors. So when I look at the music I'm listening to this week, I think it can teach me a lot about what's going on in my subconscious right now. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, so much. <laughs> So, so, so much. <laughs> so what do you think about streaming in, in, in a country like Uganda, right? Mm. Where internet penetration is, of course, not that great. Mm. Uh, but then uh, it looks like it's the distribution of the music. If you do it right, maybe that's how you earn big from it. Mm. Say if you're not maybe signed to a popular label like Swangs. Mm. What, what do you think about that? Uh, you coming into an industry where also there are a bit more other challenges than just the production of the music, right? Even the consumers don't, you don't have those many mm. at your disposal because of course of things like internet being costly. Yeah. And yeah. 
Yeah, so the way that you would promote music in Uganda, of course, is going to be different than promoting it in the U.S. Um, for the, you know, exactly what you said, internet connection is different. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit less. Streaming culture is generally less. But um, streaming is like one of those funny things where it's beautiful for the consumer, but it's like the greatest evil for the artists. Streaming does not make you money at all. Um, the money you make from streaming is, is kind of disgusting. <laughs> it's the performances and, you know, maybe the endorsement deals, maybe selling merch, other creative things you can come up with that make money for the artists, which is why COVID was so hard for artists. You know, people were still streaming the music, but that wasn't feeding the artists, the performances. And that's why they all lost. Um, but in Uganda, I've understood the importance of the underground promotions and that whole strategy where you're playing the music on the streets, you know, playing a speaker in a car, driving down the road, um, putting the music videos on the, the tourist buses, things like this, um, you know, getting the DJs to play in the clubs, these underground promotions that are less common in the U.S., mm -hmm. where streaming is more plentiful. It's cool. You have to just do things differently. It's the way it is. Okay. Away from the music, what are some of the common misconceptions you encounter about East Africa mm. in your life? Okay, I'll talk just about Uganda because yeah. actually it's the only country in Africa, period, that I've been to. You've never been to Kenya? No, I haven't been anywhere, anywhere else. else. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually like a huge thing. For Not me. even a stopover. No, of course stopovers, but I can't count stopovers. <laughs> it's not like I'm seeing anything, you know? Well, sometimes you stop over somewhere. And no, like I'm stop I stop over often in Nairobi when I'm coming to Uganda. Yeah, so I can't count. Hey, it can't count. Can't count. But yeah, I mean, misconceptions, you know, earlier we were talking about like some of the misconceptions that my people back home ask me about or bring up yeah. um, when I talk about being in Uganda. Um... One of the biggest things, I mean, like if you Google image Uganda, um, I've done this a few times just to kind of experiment and see. If you Google Uganda? Google image search Uganda. Uh, wait, you're supposed to like post, to like put an image of Uganda? No, like if you just go, go to google.com and then you search Uganda and you click on images, what do you see? Uh, so, uh, the flag, the maps and a few people downtown, mm. then yeah, some people who look like they don't eat food in a country that has so much food. So basically, yeah. so I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not a very diverse search result. Um, you're not really seeing any of like the main tourism places. You're not seeing wealth. You're not good. Yeah. That's something good to highlight. I feel mm -hmm. like okay, I should yeah. yeah, I mean, just in general, I think a lot of the Western world's misconception of Africa in general is poverty. Of course it's there, it exists, it's a real thing. <laughs> But my God, the amount of wealth that I have seen in Kampala is insane. I agree. 
It's you don't see it anywhere. Don't get in Nairobi. Do you see the world in Kampala? <laughs> People are rich. Totally. People totally. are rich. And what makes me laugh is that they think I'm rich like they yes. are. And I'm like, bro, please buy me some dinner. <laughs> like, and that's a funny misconception on the other, you know, on the flip side. But no, people just, they think about poverty when I talk about Uganda. And so actually one of the things I like to show in my TikToks is the wealth. Because yes, the poverty is there. And I also understand that the the um, the gap, the, the wealth gap between rich and poor is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. It's not... A, great thing um the middle class isn't so much there um but i do think it's important to show the complete opposite of what people think of when they think of you know wealth in uganda i want to show people super dressed up extravagantly popping bottles going on expensive vacations like it's there it's there like crazy um yeah i don't know i it's a major misconception and I don't need to show people like poverty. It's already there enough on the internet. So you focus on the bougie, which is crazy, man. Like I agree with you. I've seen the spin here. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. People are rich. (laughs) We can eat, we can help people. (laughs) And they love to show how rich they are too. (laughs) Usually I think it's also because it's funny, right? People who go and uh, seek jobs mm. from foreign countries, mm. when they come here, they make it seem like uh, they want to be like kings, right? They mm. forget to be human. So I think that's why there's a lot of like showbiz here. Mm-hmm. Because everyone wants to show that, okay, maybe people feel like when they travel out and come back here, mm. They're different kind of human. So it always beats my understanding as Maybe well. there's something to prove. Yeah. <laughs> there's always like a point to prove in uh, maybe I'm earning more money. Yet you can actually earn money here. You know, you're going to have so much chaos, right? Uh-huh. And when there's so much chaos, you know for a fact that you can benefit from the chaos. Yeah. But I think also psychologically, Yeah. this is just me guessing again, because of course I'm not from here. Like... If a lot of the world was having this misconception that like everybody's poor, but yet you have money, maybe I can understand why you would want to show so much the money you have so that you can prove these misconceptions wrong. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I never thought about it from the perspective. That makes sense. Because I've wondered, like I see people in the clubs. Do yeah, it looks like a rapper, right? Yeah, <laughs> what rappers do. With- but I see people doing some very silly things, like I, <laughs> some very silly things to show how rich they are. And but I'm- those silly things are exports from the Western world. Nothing. Maybe, maybe some, but some of the things I'm thinking. Of. The things you're saying, uh, some guy pouring champagne in their wine. That's exactly what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, that of. that is entirely a music video thing. There. For real? Yeah, it's from. Okay, that I didn't even know. From like a Lil Wayne song from back then in 2008. <laughs> like Aye. most of our culture is influenced by the Western mm. world. That's for a fact. Makes sense. So yes, uh, because okay, I didn't again, know that. Most actually. people want to relate to um, how. The struggle then from my grass to grass, yeah. 
some kind of thing like that and that is mostly what uh the hip-hop community almost sold to us sure. like consuming that for sure yeah. in their early ages yeah when they grew to have money this is what they depict this is where they have so many models around them all the time this is why bars do that thing yeah cars yes. models parties and whatnot uh -huh. yeah yeah it's, it's misproving the misconception that other people are putting onto you true, true. yeah now um the last time I knew you from the country, you were also into some XRA business. Mm. Uh, tell me about that and where you are with that. Yeah, so the, the virtual reality business, it's definitely taken a bit of a hiatus. Mm. We're still there. My team is still there. We still have meetings and touch base. Sometimes we get invited to events, uh, specifically government events, to do demos, yeah. virtual reality demos of different experiences. Um, I would say last time we made a lot of progress in regards to like shaping mainstream awareness that the technology exists and then also like how it can be used, different types of use cases. But um, honestly, like I was talking about earlier, how I've had this problem of reaching the finish line, but yeah. not being able to cross. We had a lot of those. Like I, I can tell you, we've been in some very impressive rooms with some extremely impressive people that I never thought I would be in a room with. Um, and you know, the energy was always big coming from those people we were in meetings with. But when it came to actually signing the contract, executing the deal, that's where we stopped. That's where we failed. And I think, yeah, it comes down to my team just not having someone who understood Closing. how to close the deal. Um, so we took a break. And honestly, I think at the same time, um, the first step was having to build that awareness because every meeting that we went into, I think maybe one out of 10 meetings we stepped into had heard about yeah. the technology. So we had to start not just from like selling a concept, but we had to start from explaining the technology putting it on the people, making sure that they thoroughly understand. And that itself was like three meetings. Like it took time because you can't just try it once and then understand all of the ways that it can fit into your business or your, your goals. Yeah. You have to try it many times, expand the mind. So yeah, it was a challenge having to start from literal ground zero. Um, teaching and then move into the business conversations. But we have seen in exponential growth in immersive technology companies since we started. We're not taking credit for all that, but I do think that we helped create and increase mainstream awareness of virtual reality tech. And I think after some time passes, we can kind of pick back up on those conversations. But so, we're alive, we exist. In your opinion, how can XR technology address regional issues, say like climate change? Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a very long answer because the use cases are endless. If you come up with any problem, yeah. like any problem. Or economic development, really. Sure. To be. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's say there's an infrastructure project that would greatly help the country, mm -hmm. but the funding isn't there yet. What you can do is you can create a virtual reality or an augmented reality experience of the infrastructure project that you would like to build. Yeah. And then you can take that virtual experience to investors and you can have them experience the project, um, you know, that's been created virtually and it's a lot easier. 
of course, to secure investment when you have visuals. But instead of the visuals being pictures or 3D models that are printed on paper, the investor is existing in the space in real life. So that's just one example. But for education, you can teach anything with XR because you're immersing people in an experience. It's like how a child will retain more information by watching like a TV episode that's educational about something rather than reading it. Mm -hmm. It engages more of the senses. So the more senses you're engaging, in this case, it's literally 360 degrees around you. The information sticks. It connects with you neurologically. So it can be used in any use case. But then it also looks like it's such a luxury seeing as the device is very, like completely very expensive. Yeah, It's very luxurious. And, and this kind of brings us back to this complicated question earlier you were asking about AI, how yeah. I feel about AI. Again, um, like, in, okay, in, in, in regards to cost, it can be a really expensive initiative to create an XR experience. You have to create it from scratch. Then you have to get all of the hardware. It's very expensive. On the contrary, let's say the, the VR experience is like a, a surgical or like, an, uh, like a medical training program. It's going to cost a lot of money to build that experience, do the research, get all the devices. But then you can save money on how many people you need to hire full time to train the employees. Cool, cool. But then also you're taking jobs. (laughs) So it's another one of these big questions. You have this side, you have that side, and it's super complicated. And I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so besides entertainment though and mm. education you mentioned education i had not thought about it mm. uh, so i've been doing a marketing consultation for a constructions company mm-hmm. and they have you can visualize your dream house plan through virtual reality right huh? yeah and that was pretty cool mm. thing to sell but still it was not enough to really capture the ugandan land mm. market yeah which was very confusing for me because here you actually can't see your house you yeah. can make changes to a plan uh-huh. and like construct your house before you construct it right yeah so for you how do you see that the xr really impacting east africa mm. minus just entertainment because that's where i've seen yeah Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. I do think it could be very impactful in um, uh, infrastructure project, as mentioned before, anywhere where investment is needed, it can help to secure investment. I also think kids like, okay, for, for the real estate thing. We also ran into this issue. You're targeting adults. Yeah. Full grown adults. Maybe it's the first time. It's probably, there's a big chance it's the first time they're putting a VR headset on their head. It's overwhelming. They don't know how to use the controller. They don't understand yet that by turning around, there's still stuff back there. They don't like, it takes time for someone to, who's fully grown to grasp this kind of a concept. When you're working with children, you know, they pick this stuff up so fast, so much quicker. So I think, um, one thing that needs to be embraced more before virtual reality is the augmented reality. Um, and that's where you're putting something virtual over top of the real world, like a snap 
filter or an Instagram filter. You're seeing yourself, but you've put fake makeup. Yeah. That's augmented reality. And those types of experiences are a lot easier to grasp in a place where smartphones are common. Okay. We are also concluding. So you're the one asking questions, by the way. So this podcast, yeah, that is like my... Unless there's something extensively big you think I have skipped, but from my side, that is what I am prepared to ask you. But also, since it's not just an interview kind of thing, mm. yeah, the guest also has to ask some questions, and the conversation is balanced. Okay, like, is there a specific nah. topic? Anything, like, love, life, life, physics, okay. Uganda. All right, let's start with this. How do you feel about my song? <laughs> I like it. I, I was very, like, I, I think you're just doing it for the bandwagon of it also. In, in, this is what I had in my mind, right? Um, of course, I knew you you were dating Chosen. Mm. I was, I think you invited us for his birthday. I don't know how we ended up for his birthday sometime the other year. His so, birthday? Yeah, wasn't some, what's that club? Uh, what's that bar? Nomad? No, no, no. Somewhere in Kololo. So what there with me, you, Catherine, uh, my other sister, Moss. That was my birthday. That was your, okay. We were like, so he just, wasn't even there. Kim, you weren't even in the parking. Weren't you with him in the parking? No. Wow. I think that was even before we met. You were in a red dress. Is that the day? Yeah, that's okay. the day. He wasn't there. Oh, okay. You're confusing. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, okay, now, um, to, to me, it was really just a market thing, right? Mm. I, I'm thinking, okay, she's doing a song for with someone because maybe they wanted to like go beyond just Kampala. Mm. It's a genius thing, right? Uh, then I listened to the song. Then I was shocked that you can sing. Then I was shocked that the song has potential to actually really perform so well here. Mm. Like it, it, it's the kind of music that people like to mm. listen to here, right? Mm. I've chosen really good about it. Then you coming in and doing English. The video shot very well. Mm. Kudos to whoever did that. Uh, yeah, I like it. I genuinely like it. I Thank like you. It. I, for me to judge if you're really, really good or not, I will have to listen to more music. From mm. Yeah, But I like it. Good cool. stuff for you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Um, I've also talked about like some of my struggles as a woman doing business, doing music, and also being an international woman. So as a Ugandan businessman, what advice would you give to me if I wanted to be taken seriously as so, an artist? Um, this is a bit far-fetched, but I don't feel like you should uh, feel offended mm. that... Um, the conversations are always going to get a little bit mucky mm. most of the time, right? I feel like it's something you have to train your mind. It, mm. It's more like process, right? Yeah. Uh, because again, our rules and laws here are a bit squeaky. People take everything for granted. We have grown like that. Mm. That is like our society. But most of the time, if, uh, if the greater good is bigger than just that, mm. you can just overlook it. And take it like a flow or something. Yeah. To me, in my opinion, that's the thing. And I've been telling this to a few of my female musician friends, you know, uh, trying to tell them that, you know what? Um, yeah. Uh, you went sat down. So I had, I had this friend of mine told me she went sat down with an investor. She wanted money for her music and the process. Guy was willing to give her the money, then asked to sleep with her. Mm. Then I told her, okay, you don't want to sleep with the guy, and that's fine. So mm. don't sleep with them. But I don't feel like you can. You can go past that conversation, past that mm. part, yeah? 
and be mature. But I, I believe the guy will give the money regardless mm. most of the time. Those sometimes people are really serious about what they want. Yeah. But also sometimes it's 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 just like what they think is the easier route out, right? So if you if you if you stay focused to like the dream, mm. because there's nothing else you're going to do about it. Guys are going to ask you. It's it's, it's common ground. So sure. to me, it's about just knowing the greater good and following through to mm. it. Yeah. So minding the reaction is important. Yeah. And for me, I've been working on that because it is different here for sure. And I'm practicing, you know, adapting and handling such situations. But I'm still trying to navigate when it's like, yes, or it's a no. Like if you don't want to be intimate with that person and then they want to pull the business out, like. Then you know they're just immature. So yes, we need to be immature people. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that. Just that. But the, the, the local room talk of it all, mm. I feel like that's like normalized because it's it's normal. Mm. Yeah. It's uh it's lifestyle here, right? Uh yeah. It's how people are grown up in their homes. It's, yeah. it's how people really know. It's it's more engraved into their cultures than than who they really are. They don't know any better, right? So yeah. you're dealing with someone who's really, really good at the business they do, but also they're not yet, they're not so exposed, mm. right? Because it's the culture system they've grown up into. Yeah. Uh, it's more face recognition than actual merit. Mm. Yeah. Get That's you. Get you. Okay. So I guess my last one is like, what are your dreams and your goals? Um, either just generally or like for big combos. So for big converse, I want the podcast to spread out as much as it can. Mm. Uh, so, globally. Yeah, globally. Cool. So I want to bring on so many guests. Right now, I'm, I'm shooting some more conversations from Kenya. I mm. try and prioritize those because the, the, the content market in Kenya is big. Mm. So many people. You In Kenya, you'd walk into a place and tell guys, hey guys, I host the podcast. And you get 20 subscribers mm. in that gathering. Everyone will just go, internet is, okay, it's better. Yeah. But also people really consume content from like uh, the leadership perspective, right? It's easier for me to have the president on a podcast. Mm. Guys just have podcasts and they have their governors interact with them. So to them, that's, the culture is embracing this. Also, maybe they have these bigger studios, say like YouTube is there, mm. maybe Twitter has an office there, Facebook, some Netflix, things like that. So it's inspiring. It's, mm. you, you, you see that there's, there's a future, right? Mm. So yeah, I want it to be more global. I've started working on that. Mm. I do. I, I have now about four guests from Kenya. I think I have another scheduled for this weekend. So that for the podcast, also to have as many as my friends work. So yeah, for this podcast, for sure. it's really and my friends come, develop their skills and they do. So to have as much as that. Then for me in life, the thing about goals is to me, they're like hope. They're very misleading. They're, they're just an energy. You need to get something done. Uh -huh. So I've not really set my mm. my 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 mind out to like an actual big goal. Get you. I haven't either. It's okay. <laughs> we take things day by day, like little bite-sized yeah. goals. That's cool. Okay, actually, one more question. Yeah. Okay. So, like, we talked about the misconceptions that um, some of the international community has maybe about Uganda or East Africa. If you could address my people back home who might watch this, friends and family, what would you like to tell them about your country? We are, we are certainly poor, but like everyone else in the world, I feel like uh, that's a constant. Mm. There's 
we, we, we are normal people. We're as normal as they are. We think as they do. To me, that's the thing that... Um, so, there's of course, there's like a big culture difference, right? Uh, we we have our cultures and they're embedded in us. We there's there's a bigger moral kind of thing around us. So people feel like there's a way they want to define what's decent and what's not. Mm. Yeah. Which you don't have. People are so free. That's why it's I think called the free world. Mm. So there's that. Uh, but at the core of it all, we're all the same people. We're okay. just all humans. When when I sit down with you, now I've done business with you, I've interacted with you. I know for a fact that things that will stress you will stress me. So that's the thing. I, I don't feel like there's like that much of a difference between the people themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just, you just have to come down here to get yourself exposed and get shocked with the people. But also we are very loving people, I think. That's a thing people really, really should know. Very, very loving, very, very welcoming. In Uganda... You literally can survive even if you are a fool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so it's a fun country to be in. We are free people. Mm. We really respect our laws, so you can just do anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. I think if that's a misconception. Yes, yeah. People rarely follow any rules and regulations. People are actually free. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. I get you. Yeah, but thank you for coming to the podcast, Max. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been really good. Kelly, <laughs> thank you. This was good.